Today, uh, as I was preparing for this, this weekend's homilies, uh, there's a central figure of John the Baptist that we hear about in our gospel. Um, after praying with it and kind of reflecting on the gospel, uh, it reminded me of my kind of my, my vision of the world around me um, or my, my expectation of what the priesthood would be when I was in a seminary. Uh, whenever I was in a seminary, we would kind of, as I was getting closer and closer, uh, my classmates and I, from time to time, we would have our you know, conversations, kind of what we dreamed and what we hoped would happen. And there was this expectation that would kind of build up in our mind or this romantic idea that would build up into our mind of what parish life was going to be like. Now, for us, we were like, man, if you just like celebrate Mass the way you're supposed to, give a homily like you're supposed to, church is going to be full. You'd hear hours and hours and hours of confessions sh- completely straight through. Like, it's going to be awesome. Right? The parishioners are going to always be smiling and always be wonderful, and every decision you make is going to be the perfect, right decision no matter what. Right? They're going to love you, and you're going to just luck out because they're all going to be like model pretty. Like, it's going to be awesome. And God has fulfilled that completely, let me tell you. Um, you guys are beautiful. Anyway, I'm sucking up, let me tell you. Um, but there's a, there was always this romantic expectation kind of in the seminary, like looking forward, you know, what I'm going to be able to say and what I'm going to be able to do at certain times in baptisms, and, and I'm going I'm to do this certain thing whenever it comes to anointing, or I'm going to make sure to visit everybody and bring communion to the, to the people and, and take care of the poor and all these things, like all the stuff that I wanted to do as a priest, there was an expectation and kind of a romantic idea and vision that I had of it. Then what happens is uh, I get ordained, and I'm put in cutoff, uh, my first assignment, love the people of cutoff, it was a beautiful, wonderful, great assignment, but you realize very, very quickly that the romantic expectation is not reality. That the romantic expectation that we, I might have built up in my mind and kind of dreamed of is not necessarily the reality. Now, if you if you like, okay, Father, what that has to do with me? I, I never went to the seminary. I, that that's that doesn't that doesn't jive with me. I like I don't get it. Think of this: uh, whenever you like little girls dream of their dream wedding, and that Prince Charming is going to ride in on a white horse, right? And it's going to be perfect, and it's going to be beautiful. And your kids are never going to be bad ever, and they're not going to stink at all. They're never going to like poop. Like, it's, it, you know, like, it's, like, those kind of things will never happen, no matter what, because my family's going to be different than every other family that has ever walked the face of the earth. The baby's not going to cry, and from day one, they're going to sleep through the night, and it's going to be awesome in eight hours every night. Not the case. Because there's a difference between the expectation and the reality. See, I can tell you this, whenever I was, as a priest, the moment that I kind of bridged the expectation and the reality, um, I was, it was a Sunday afternoon, I had, I had celebrated three Masses in the morning, I was kind of, I was just tired, um, the family kind of, we had all gone to my grandmother's house, so I drove up to buy, came visit my grandma, it was a good afternoon, just visiting, talking, you know, the little arguments that I have in your family and all that kind of stuff, it was great, it was exactly what a Sunday afternoon feels like at my mom's house, Right? And it was great. I'm in flip-flops and a t-shirt, and like I'm just comfortable, and I'm taking my time just heading on back to the parish. 
And I came around a corner at one point on 308. And when I came around the corner, I saw lights up ahead. And I'm thinking, good, I need to slow down. <laughs> then as I got closer, there were a lot of lights. And I realized that wasn't a cop car, that was a fire truck. And a, that's an ambulance. And Uh-oh. I'm a priest. <laughs> so I pull over. And I kind of open the door and kind of get a better look. And there's a car that got hit by an 18-wheeler. And the, cops, the, the, the cop is there directing traffic. And there's a fire truck there, which means they probably had to cut the person out. And I'm thinking, this ain't good. So there I am, three months ordained, grabbing my stuff and running towards an accident. A couple of the cops had noticed me. They recognized me from different things, so I didn't have to be in my, my priest uniform. It was okay. They brought me straight to the person that was laying on the stretcher. Now, I don't, I don't know if the woman that I anointed was, would, would survive. I don't know if she walked. I don't know. I, I think she was okay, but you never know. But really quickly, the, the, the romantic idea became a reality. Very, very quickly, the romantic idea of the priesthood became a reality. But there was a, there was a moment in there. There was a moment in there when I was driving, when I was coming down, that I could have, if I wanted to, just turn around and went around and, and head back down to buy, and nobody had to know about it. But I was a priest. See, there was a moment in there that I had to decide... Am I going to be a spectator or am I going to be an actor? Am I just going to watch from afar or am I going to be an actor? Am I going to actively be a priest today? Our scripture today, this is the difference between the Sadducees and Pharisees and John the Baptist. We hear, about it in, we hear about it in Scripture, the religious elite. What happens? They kind of sit back and they're just watching what's going on in front of them. Jesus comes and He does His whole ministry and everything about Him, and they just sit back for three years and they just watch Him. And at first they might be intrigued. Then they get a little bit bored. <laughs> then they get a little bit perturbed and then aggravated and then vengeful. They're spectators. They're watching from afar. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They just decided today, I'll spectate. John the Baptist, on the other hand, is a little bit different. John the Baptist is an actor. John the Baptist is one that's going out proclaiming the faith. God called him to be a prophet to the nations. He called him into the desert He's wearing camel's hair. He looks like a crazy man living out in the desert. He's wearing a camel hair, kind of tunic, eating bugs and honey. But God called him to be an actor. How are we living our faith? I think it's a fair question for all of us to kind of reflect on today. Is how am I, on my day-to-day -day life, living my faith? Am I living my faith daily as a spectator? Or 
Am I living it as an actor? Am I living it daily as a spectator, or am I living it simply as an actor? You see, today, that's what, that's what I think the, this Advent season is about. This Advent season is about us moving from spectating to acting. This Advent season is about us coming to engage in our faith in a personal, invested way. And there's, there's a lot of things in our life that can hold us back from being an actor and leaves us on the outside just watching it go by. And if we're just sitting there watching it go by, you know what happens? We probably are intrigued because, hey, we got a new priest. A couple of months pass and then we get a little bit bored. Then a couple of months pass and then we might get a little bit aggravated until we turn it away. The reality is, is that God is calling us not to be just a spectator, not to just watch our faith move by, but to be actively engaged in it. Why is it, what are those things that hold us back from being actors in our faith? I think there are three. Three that I can kind of put my finger on. Three that I think I know I struggle with and that I feel a lot of times. And you know what? I think those three are something that universally we all can kind of, can fight, kind of fight with at times. The first one, I think it costs something. It costs something not to just kind of sit back and watch our faith go by. It costs something to be engaged. Well, I mean, I... Well, what you mean by it? it costs something? We all have two things. We all have a, a certain amount of two things. We all get the same amount of time, and we got varying amounts of money. Right? But it may cost something in our time and in our, in our, in our, time and in our, our treasure to be actively engaged in the faith. Now, this isn't a homily about trying to raise money or anything like that, but this is something I just think for all of us to be able to reflect on. If you want to see how it is that you're living your faith, if you're living as a spectator or as an actor, look at your calendar. Look at your calendar. How do you spend your time? How much of your time is given to God? I come to Mass every week. Okay, one out of 168 hours. Is that all we give to God? How can I give more of my time? I know we're stretched thin. I know our life has more devices today to try and save time than ever before, and we have less time than it feels like than ever before. But how much of our time do we give to God? How much of our time do we orient ourselves in prayer and in communication with our God? Individually, as a family. Like, is God this Advent asking me, hey, you know what? I want you to engage a little bit more. I want you not to just be a spectator in a relationship with me, but like dive in. I want you to pray. <laughs> Read your Bible. Pray the rosary. Pick up a devotion. Something. Just something to engage more in my time with God. I think the second thing that holds us back, that kind of stands in the way from time to time, of us being actors in our faith and keeps us as spectators, is discomfort. 
Because reality is, it's not, it's not very comfortable to be activated in our faith. Like, it's not very, it's not very glamorous. It's not, there's a lot of stuff that we kind of have to say no to and kind of push away from our life. Like, sin is attractive, y'all. Our favorite sin that we go to every, over and over and over, the empty well that we continue to drink from, whether it be whatever it is, whether it be some kind of sin of the flesh, or whether it be some kind of gossip, or some kind of struggle like that, like we go to that because it's attractive. Because it's comfortable. We go to that because we can leave God at an arm's length and just kind of watch Him go by. But how is it that God is asking me to not be comfortable? Pope Benedict once said, you're not made for comfort, you're made for greatness. I've, made that, I've said that statement before, but it's so true. That we're not made for comfort of being able to sit back and just watch it. Watch the world pass by. Watch the Lord act in our life from far. He wants us as actors engaged in it. Engaged in our faith with Him. If, 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 hey, I, Lord, like, look, Father, I, I fall short in that. That's okay. There's a reason why we have confession. If I find myself living a life trying to be too comfortable, trying to be too focused on things of this world, whatever it is, on money, on, on pleasure, on, on gossip, on whatever the story is, whatever the thing is in your life that you're finding comfort in that's not of the Lord, that's holding you back from being active in your faith, that's why we have confession. To receive healing. To let God reign in our life again. Third spot that I think keeps us as spectators is fear. I know for me, fear is one of those things that kind of paralyzes me sometimes and wants to keep me as a spectator. A fear of failure a fear, a fear of not measuring up, a fear of ridicule, a fear of being seen differently by other people in my life, a fear of having to change relationships with other people in my life and other things in my life. But fear of change a lot of times will keep us disinterested, unactive, a spectator in our faith. The reality is, God doesn't True love casts out all fear. God doesn't want to, to force us into, into any kind of box. He wants us to become more of who we are. John the Baptist didn't, wasn't, wasn't afraid right, to follow what it was that Jesus was calling him to do, what God was calling him to do. But I guarantee you, he felt some discomfort. He knew the cost that it was going to be. He, had a, he may have had a little bit of fear about what other people were going to say, but it still compelled him out. It compelled him to go and fulfill the calling that God had for him. In the same way, God's doing the same thing in each one of our lives. He calls us individually as normal, regular people to simply be active in our faith. I think every one of us, if we're honest, can, can think of someone in our life that we know was active in their faith. Was an actor and not a spectator. Like someone we knew personally. 
This past week, on, uh, on my Facebook feed, I was, I was looking at something, and a homily popped up, and I hit play. I was listening to a little bit of it, and the priest made a comment. He said, you know, if you think of Mother Teresa, it seems like we always talk about Mother Teresa, but we, you think of Mother Teresa and all the good that she did. Everybody said how inspiring she was to the church, how inspiring she was as a, as a Catholic, as a Christian, right? I think sometimes we rely a little bit too much on the church to be the active one. I think sometimes we rely a little bit too much on the priest or the bishop or whoever else to be the active one when God is just asking us to be active in our own faith. And the priest, when he made this comment, he said, everybody knows Mother Teresa, but nobody knows who the bishop of Calcutta was. Because it wasn't important. Because she was an actor. That's not an indictment on the bishop. I have no idea if he was a holy man, a good man, a bad man. I don't know. But she was living her life as an actor and not as a spectator. Think in the same way for us. As we come to Mass, as we come to celebrate the sacred mysteries, as we come to continue in this Advent season, God is calling us to go beyond the comfort of being a spectator. This beyond the, the ease of being a spectator. Behind the no cost of being a spectator. Because it's cheap. God's calling us to vest in our whole self. Our whole life. Despite the cost. Despite this discomfort. And go beyond our fear. Uh, a, little, a, a quick confession. Um, I know the priest giving a confession at homily. It's weird. Um, a, a, a very quick confession. Uh, I don't like celebrating Mass at a high school. Um, I, I'm not, I don't like celebrating Mass at high schools. And there's a reason why, though. Because when I go to a high school, I walk in, they're playing music, no one sings. No one's invested. Everyone in the pew, everyone in the chairs is a spectator. Entertain me. Fill me up. Give me some kind of message. And send me out. When we come to this Mass, are we being a spectator? Or are we being an actor? Are we investing ourselves in? Because when we come to this Mass, we come to meet Jesus Christ one-on-one, face-to-face in the Eucharist. We come to know Him better. We come to receive Him into our life. This whole Advent season is played out in every Mass where we confess our sins before Him, listen to His Word, and receive it, body, blood, soul, and divinity, into our lives. It's a beautiful mystery. It's a wonderful mystery. It's a big mystery. It's the central mystery of our faith. But do we just watch it go by? Or are we invested as central players in it? God calls us to go beyond a cheap faith or an easy faith or a comfortable faith. Because God doesn't want us to be a spectator. He wants us to be an actor.